Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. for this 10th Sunday after Pentecost is found in the first book of Kings, chapter 17, beginning at verse 6. Elijah from Tishbe, one of the settlers in Gilead, said to Ahab, As surely as the Lord lives, the God of Israel before whom I stand, there will be no dew or rain during the coming years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, leave this place and turn east. Hide yourself by the curious ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the stream and I will command the ravens to provide for you there. So Elijah went and did just as the Lord had said. He lived in the curious ravine east of the Jordan The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and in the evening he drank from the stream. The word of the Lord. We turn our attention now to the second lesson, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. The Apostle Paul writes by inspiration of the Lord, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He did this when he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world so that we would be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. He did this in accordance with the good purpose of his will and for the praise of his glorious grace which he has graciously given us in the one he loves. In him we also have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in keeping with the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mysteries of his will in keeping with his good purpose, which he planned in Christ, This was to be carried out when the time had fully come in order to bring all things together in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 14 beginning at the 13th verse. When Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place to be alone. When the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus got out of the boat, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. When evening came, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They told him, we have only, we have here only five loaves and two fishes. 
Bring them here to me, he replied. Then he instructed the people to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish. After looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. The disciples gave the food to the people. They all ate and were filled. They picked up 12 basketfuls of what was left over from the broken pieces. Those who, were, those who ate were about 5,000 men, not even counting women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Portion of God's word for our consideration is found in Luke chapter 2, beginning at the 28th verse. The familiar words of the Song of Simeon. Simeon took him, that is Jesus, into his arms and praised God. He said, Lord, you now dismiss your servant in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This is the word of our Lord. Dear fellow redeemed sons and daughters of God most high, brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, fellow recipients of the Holy Spirit who creates and sustains faith in our hearts. These words ring familiar to us, I'm sure. As do many of the words of the songs of the liturgy that we sing. Many of the songs of the liturgy are based on scripture. The holy, holy, holy that we're going to be singing later in the service during our communion worship is taken right from Isaiah 6, the very words that the angels sang as they flew around the throne of God as Isaiah stood there, seeing the very throne room of God. This song of the liturgy that we now sing at the end of every communion service, it's now a hymn in our hymnal, it's not part of the liturgy officially, but now is our practice at Salem to sing at the end of a communion service. At one time was right in the middle of the liturgy. And I did a little math. I've probably sung this over 500 times. And if you grew up in the Lutheran church, you probably have too. In fact, I grew up in a Lutheran church just like Salem back in Michigan. About the same size. We had kindergarten through eighth grade. My brothers and I went to school there. We went to church on Sunday morning, and I remember my brother in the car on the way home from church. He was probably four or five years old. He was before he could read, proudly announcing he had memorized and was able to sing along with the congregation all the different songs. Not the different hymns that were 
play during the service. Those changed every Sunday, but all the different songs, all the different song responses as part of the liturgy. Why was that? Well, as I said earlier, when we were reciting Psalm 136, it's because that's how the Lord has made our brains. Repetition helps us to learn. So before my brother Eric could read, he could sing along. He could be a meaning, he could be a participant in worship. Now, since he has passed away, he's singing the songs that we hear John record in the book of Revelation, along with the angels around the throne of God. But we here on earth, we get to sing the songs of the liturgy, the songs taken directly from scripture. But sometimes we sing them so often, it's just like we push the play button in our head and we don't think about what we're singing. They're just syllables and tones that can come out of our mouths. It's, it's a temptation that Satan can lead us to, oh, okay, this is okay. We do this and we just do it on autopilot. So this morning, let us take a close look at what Simeon said over 2,000 years ago. Now, this took place when Jesus was only 40 days old. Mary and Joseph had brought him to the temple, according to the law of Moses, to give a sacrifice to the Lord, because the firstborn of any family, the firstborn male, belongs to the Lord. And so they gave a sacrifice to redeem him back from the Lord. And Simeon was there. And we don't know much about Simeon other than this episode. We are told, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The man was righteous and devout, waiting for the comfort of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. about that for a moment. Generation upon generation upon generation, the people of Israel had heard the prophecies. I'm talking all the way back to the Garden of Eden. First prophecy of the Savior given to Adam and Eve after they had fallen into sin, after the Lord had come walking in the garden and asked them, what have you done, Adam? Well, he was... The woman's fault, by the way, Lord, the woman you put here. Asked Eve, what did you do, Eve? Uh, was the serpent. Again, you know, you created the serpent, Lord, so ultimately we're both blaming you, Lord. And instead of just wiping them off the face of the planet, the Lord, out of his love and mercy and grace, gave them the promise of a Savior. And that promise was repeated. And it was refined generation after generation, through the prophets, decade after decade, century after century, millennia after millennia. And then there's Simeon. He was a devout man, righteous. He had heard the scriptures. He had heard the prophecy. 
Can you imagine how his heart yearned when he was told by God, you are going to see the Lord's Christ? You don't have to pass this on to the next generation. You're not going to die hoping that the next generation gets to see the Christ. You're going to see the Christ. And then he does. And he says these beautiful words. Lord, now you dismiss your servant in peace according to your word. And he calls God Lord. And he refers to himself as your servant. It's an interesting choice of words here because he puts things in perspective. The Greek word that Simeon uses for Lord is the basis for our English word despot. Usually we think of that in a very negative sense. Usually we think of that as the same as a dictator, a very negative term. Somebody rules over a country harshly, who abuses the people under him, who rules over a country for his own personal gain. He's in it for himself. But that's not everything that this word entails. And that's not how Simeon is using it either. He's using it to separate himself from God, meaning, Lord, you are the master. I am the servant. He's talking about the relationship between God and him. He's keeping things in perspective. He is by no means God's equal. And of course, neither are we. He's not telling God what to do. He's following God's instructions. He's following God's commands. He's following God's word. He says, Lord, now, I've seen the Christ. Your promise to me is fulfilled. If it is your will, Lord, according to your word, as you have told me, may I now depart. And he adds a beautiful phrase, in peace. that peace between God and man. That peace that was shattered back in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve ate that forbidden fruit, and what did they do? They didn't walk up to God like they had in the past when God took his usual walk in the garden, as was his custom. They hid. The peace was shattered between Adam and Eve because they started blaming each other. Adam blamed Eve. That's not peace. But ultimately they blamed God and hid from him because of sin. That's not peace. Because of sin. Our sin the sin that we inherited, ultimately going all the way back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. By nature, we do not have peace. David writes in the Psalms, 
Surely I was sinful from birth. In sin my mother conceived me. From the very get-go, we do not have peace. So why can Simeon say, dismiss me in peace? Because the song of Simeon is your song, my song, our song as well. Why could I sing that 500 times? Why could we sing that every communion service after church? Because we have that peace according to God's word. Because starting back in the Garden of Eden, God gave a promise and he kept that promise. That promise that led this Savior child that Simeon held in his arms to the cross 33 years later where Christ cried out, it is finished. The debt is paid, paid in full. The debt of sin that we owed and Christ paid. And three days later, his resurrection proved there is no more guilt to be paid, no more debt to be paid. And his resurrection shows that we too shall rise to glory ever after. And we are at peace. And that's why we named this church Salem, which means peace. At peace with God, a loving God, who as far as the east is from the west has separated us from our sins, who has given us full and free salvation, not because we as the servant demanded it from the master, but because the master in his love, has given it to the servant. And how do we know that? Simeon tells us, according to his word. How else would you know of this? The world is not going to tell us this. We're not going to find it on a secular billboard driving down the road. We find it in God's word. And God's word working through the sacrifice. Simeon goes on. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. Simeon saw the Christ child. With his own eyes, he saw the baby Jesus, held him in his hands. What a miraculous and wonderful sight that must have been for Simeon. Two thousand years later, have we seen with our own eyes, along with Simeon, the Christ? Remember what Jesus said to Thomas, Blessed are they who have not seen, but yet have believed. Maybe not with our physical eyes, but certainly with the eyes of faith. Again, that faith worked in us by the Holy Spirit. Through the very word of God, we know Christ. We have seen his salvation, which God has prepared before the face of all people. We heard about that in the epistle reading earlier in Ephesians 1 verse 10. This was to be carried out when the time had fully come. 
in order to bring all things together in Christ, things in heaven and on earth, all according to God's plan, all prepared by God. When you look at history, how God kept that promise going through the nation of Israel, did they deserve it? Did they deserve the Christ to be from them? The 12 tribes of Israel? Deserve? No. Even the brothers or the sons of Jacob, and look at how the brothers treated each other. Selling Joseph into slavery, and I'm not going to get into the various sins of Simeon and Levi and Judah. You can read about them in the book of Genesis. These were not upstanding so-called heroes of faith. But then again, neither was Abraham, Isaac. The Israelite nation was compared to a harlot who cheated on the husband God. Why did God do this? Out of love, out of love for them and out of love for us because he said he would bring the Christ child. And he did, and he made sure all things were in place. And he brought the Christ child for them and for us so that we would have that Savior. And he did that before the face of all people. The message was not just for the people of Israel. Solomon, when he dedicated the temple, in his prayer he dedicates it not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. In fact, Simeon says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And that word revelation is the same word that we use to name the last chapter of the Bible. In Greek, it is apocalypse. Sometimes today we think of apocalypse as like horrible plagues upon the earth that come at the end of the world, but really it simply means revelation. The uncovering, the uncovering of something hidden, the revelation of God's grace, not just to some, but to all. The message of Christ going out to all, that all have been forgiven. And the glory of your people Israel, the crowning achievement of the 12 tribes of Israel, there in that child that Simeon held in his hands, there in that child that Simeon was looking forward to and we look back to, that brings joy to our heart as we sing this song of the liturgy. And what does this move us to do? It moves us to rejoice. The message of sins forgiven moves us to joy, it moves us to love. As God has loved us, we then desire to love one another. Do we have opportunity to be part of the light for revelation of the Gentiles? Do we have part of, be part of the revelation, the, the proclamation before the, before the face of all people? We do. In our everyday lives, 
proclaim this life-saving truth to people within our own families, to people maybe we work with, to people we see every day, to people in our circle of friends and our circle of acquaintances. We have the opportunity to do this. Why? Because we have to? Because if we don't, somehow God will be angry with us because he will take away our salvation? No, 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 not at all. Not out of a sense of guilt. No. Motivated by the love of God. Motivated by what God has done for us. Motivated by the salvation that Christ has won for us. That moved Simeon to say these words that inspired Luke to record these words. May we go forth into this world. Maybe we've memorized these words too. Maybe it becomes a song that plays itself in our head, not just on Sunday morning every other week here at Salem when we have communion, but a song that plays in our heads as well throughout the week. As we together live our lives in Christ, proclaiming that joy that Christ has won for us, full and free salvation. When we leave the worship service here today, we can depart in peace. We've already heard it from the altar. Our sins are fully forgiven. Go forth then, brothers and sisters in Christ, as Simeon did, rejoicing in the Christ child, rejoicing in salvation, rejoicing according to our Lord's word. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.